0: All right, good morning, good morning, RCC family. Good morning. It is so nice to see all of your lovely faces. And good morning to everyone who is watching on our live stream. We are so happy that you are joining us. If it's your first time tuning in with us, we'd love to know where you're coming from. So if you want to drop a name in the comment, we'd love to greet you in that way. Guys, so today is Creative Sunday, so you'll see some art in our service, and we're just going to posture ourselves of being really open of how God wants to speak with us today. Um, So if you would do one kindness for me, if you guys would continue to keep your mask on the entire service, it's one way just to love on your neighbor and to stay socially distanced and as safe as possible. Yes, even while we're singing, thank you so much in advance. We really appreciate the ways that you guys have stepped in to commune well and healthy. If you would, for me, stand for our lectionary reading. And you guys at home, too, I'd love to involve you in body and in mind. If you would stand with us, we're going to do our lectionary reading. And today we're doing something a little different. We're going to have some art on the screen. I'd love it if you would just take a deep inhale and exhale the week away. You want to just breathe with me right now. Just begin to settle your mind. I'm sure you're bringing good things in today. Leave them at God's feet as we just step into this service. We're going to jump into what David cries out to the Lord. So our psalm is going to come from Psalm 51. And it says, O loving and kind God, have mercy. Have pity on me and take away the awful stains of my transgressions. Oh, wash me and cleanse me from the guilt. Let me be pure again. For I admit my shameful deeds and it haunts me day and night. It is against you and you alone I have sinned and did this terrible thing. And you saw it all and your sentence against me was just. But I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you deserve honesty from the heart. Utter sincerity and truthfulness. O oh Lord, give me this wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean again. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. And after you have punished me, give me back my joy again. Don't keep looking at my sins. Erase them from your sight. And create in me a clean and pure heart. Oh God, fill me with clean thoughts and right desires. Do not toss me aside or banish me forever from your presence. Do not take away your Holy Spirit from me but restore me to the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach the ways to other sinners and they, guilty like me, will repent and return to you. And so God, this morning we just thank you that you are a God that is merciful and just. We thank you for this journey you have us on of becoming more like you. Lord, we confess this morning that we have tried our own way and it has failed us. Lord, this morning we set down our agenda and our way of doing things and our perspective and our prejudices and all of the things that distance us from you. Lord, in us create a clean heart. Give us one mind as you and the Father and the Holy Spirit are in one accord. Thank you for meeting with us today. It is an honor to worship and praise you and just to be in your presence. And we know that you will meet us here and we say thank you. And so in your son's holy name we pray.
1: that you reign above it all that there is a promise that there will be a day where there where the light will not know no, will not know darkness there will be no darkness and when we sit in the advent of that second of your second coming we have the privilege and the honor of partnering with you and bringing forth that light and allowing eternity glimpses now. So as we enter into prayers of the people, you ask your people to weep with those who are weeping, to lament with those who are lamenting. We can do that because we know what's underneath that weeping is you and your sovereignty and your faithfulness and your goodness so as we enter prayers of the people and we all have stuff personally globally stuff where it feels like darkness is, is winning we enter into it and we bring forth a light and that light is victorious. We pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. We pray for Gate and his wife who's kicked out of their village and are now homeless and not being welcomed in any part of their country because they have chosen to follow you. God, I pray that they would first and foremost have a home in you, but God, that you would provide them a people that would welcome them, that you would connect them to other brothers and sisters and you, that they would have a home on this earth that they would be welcomed. God, keep them safe and protect them. We pray for the Noah persecution that's happening. It's a small island. And there's just a lot of persecution that's happening as soon as somebody comes to know, comes to the faith, they're, they're met with persecution. As the body of Christ we step into a place of intercession and we just pray protection over your sons and daughters. That you would pour out your love and your mercy and your grace. And that you would turn the hearts of darkness towards you that they would encounter your light and your love. We pray for the world and all those in it. We continue to pray for Myanmar as they continue to battle with the military that's taken over the government, they're fighting so hard for freedom. God, would you bring a way for there be to for there to be peace in their government, peace in their land? Would would the would the protests become peaceful? The deaths would be no more that they would be heard and seen and that they would be valued in their own country. We pray for the welfare welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. We pray for the lives that were lost this week. We pray For our Asian community and our Asian American community. For just the uptick in violence all around this past year. We repent if we have in any way contributed to that continued persecution. We repent if we have in any way not validated their experiences and stepped into a place of advocating for them. And I pray for the mother and father whose son took lives. I pray for the people who knew him to be something other than that, that loved him, that have walked through life with him. I pray for those people as in some ways they too are victims. God, would you just come and would you just radically love them? May we walk in the tension as the body of Christ and may we be the first to say, God, break our trust structures that lie anywhere other than in your kingdom. We want to put our faith and our trust in nothing but you. May goodness somehow come out of this and in the in the, in between we weep and we lament and we cry out and we repent, have mercy. Finally, we pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray for Kristen as she sits in the back right now having spasms. Who hasn't been able to sleep? God, would you, right now, would you actually just, she's sitting in the back. I hope she's okay that I'm doing this. I told her I would, so I, was, I told her ahead of time. Um, would you just stretch your hand back to Kristen? God, would you bring healing now? As she sits in your presence in this room, God, would your healing touch come and touch her body that the spasms would cease, that rest would be restored to her body and that healing would come, that they wouldn't happen a couple times a year anymore, but they would just be gone. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that you are still a miracle working, God. We pray for the bogs right now as they've got new health concerns that have risen for Aaron, God. You know, you know those concerns. You know the conversations with the doctors you're having, that they're having, God. Would you just be present? Would you remind them of how you've been faithful and true and good up until now and you will and are the same and you will continue to be the same, that you are holding them and that you have them. May right now they feel just an invasion of your presence in the room that they are in. They are not alone. The darkness will not win. The darkness will not get to claim Aaron's body. And so with the light and love of your kingdom, just wash over her. We pray for Bonnie tomorrow, is she a surgery? Would you calm and ease any nerves that she might have, any anxieties? Maybe she able to be able to rest tonight, give her body the ability to recover well, give um, control the doctor's hands, that it would go smoothly and that they would be able to accomplish all that they need to accomplish and that her body would be um, able to recover and be restored even better than what it was before. We thank you that you are a miracle-walking God. We thank you that you are good and that you are the author and creator and sustainer of life. We thank you that you have won every battle that has been fought and will ever be fought. And we pray in this coming weeks that our hearts would begin to move towards Resurrection Sunday, that we would Feel the ending of Lent and the coming of spring. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
2: I always forget until I see it how amazing Mariah is at announcements. <laughs> I'm like, I literally, there's not many people who can do that well. And she's one of them. So, thank you, Mariah. There are a couple kind of curveball announcements I'm adding before I share. One is, we have been asking for nominations for our Wise council, which is basically our version of elders. And we've been doing that for two weeks. Today's the final day to submit a name. And so, shockingly, not many of you have submitted a name. I know you're all blown away and shocked by that. I know it's a tough season to even know what's happening in the body, and to even know who is present. Um, Many of our people are still very present, but online. And so we have until the end of this day, everybody say this day, this day day, to make our submissions. I'm not going to play the video, Bill, but if you go to the prayer wall or do this, who has your phone on you? Raise your hand, everybody. If you don't raise your hand, you're lying. And then we're just going to just come meet me for a repentance prayer. So I want you to pull your phone out. Um, You're Blackberry, Jonathan, that'd be fine. Is it a BlackBerry? Okay. (laughs) Dang it. Okay. uh, I want you to open up an app called The Facebooks. Okay? Everybody say The Facebook. You're not even participating. That's okay. You've already voted. Nice. I have as well. On The Facebook, there is a church Facebook site called River City Church. I would like you to go to this site. I'm not about to ask you to give us a five-star result because that is strange. For me to ask you. But if you're there and you happen to run across the... Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So on this, Bill has penned to the top a very simple format and a way for you to submit wise counsel nominations. So some things about wise counsel. They need to be seen and have fruit as a follower of Jesus. That needs to be something that they're characterized by a true marking of who they are they need to be over the age of 21 they need to be actively a present part of our body that's confusing because many people are present online and fully faithful and many people are coming back now and so I'm asking that you jump into this with us because we will make our decisions by the end of this week and we want all of your input okay so far the best nomination was Jesus and he's already on he's an active member at all times So he's like, check there. So, okay. The second announcement is youth-related. We're still praying and seeking God about the vision and direction of our youth ministry. It's a tricky season in youth ministry for a smaller church, but we believe God has next steps. So we're continuing to pray and fast. There will be no youth ministry tonight, but I will continue to keep you updated on that. Secondly, about youth, is youth camp. Everybody say camp. It's coming very soon. Justin and Aaron couldn't be here today. They had some things prepared. You'll see that tomorrow and the days following. But tomorrow night at 6 p.m., 6 is correct, Bill, there is a blitz to sign up for camp for those who are able to go. This is for anybody from seventh grade, rising seventh graders to, to rising freshmen in college. There's only a limited amount as of now, and so we want to make sure all of our youth from River City go. And... It's a really great camp. It's a, it's a marker for our, our network, really. And it's the best way our, all of our churches get together. And so if you are not a part of our directory or we're not a part of what Carol was leading, come find us and we'll get you the information on how to get to that site. Because each person has to submit a form and also put a down payment of $60. And this is a big deal for the down payment to show buy-in. Okay, And so there are options for scholarships, but the camp decided, and I think it's a good decision, that buy-in needs to happen from everyone. And so $60. So if you're interested in that, come find me. If you've already been apart for a while, you'll have that sent to you by tomorrow, 6 p.m. tomorrow. We're going to sign up. It's going to be great. And now moving on to my last pre-message. I had the distinct opportunity. I would say opportunity. I don't like framing it that way because it feels awkward to say that about doing someone's funeral. But... Yesterday, I was asked to participate as the, um, I guess, the, the the pastor over this uh, funeral for a family, and I would just like to pray for them together. Um, they lost a son who was 38, too young, um, a lot of grief, a lot of um, a lot of hardship, a lot of pain, um, specifically for Gail Mann, and I want to pray for her, and then I also want to pray for um, her, her other children, Dominique and Melanie Cristelli. And so, just for a moment, because we, we had the opportunity to... Bill went with me. Bill's a great guy. Uh, showed up with me, and we were just there. And we got to express to them that we would like, as a church, to offer free grief counseling to anybody, and we would like to pray for anybody. And we'll see if that happens, but at worst-case scenario, we are, are, have been invited as a church into this process with these people. And I just wanna pray that we are faithful with that. Does that make sense? So let's pray together real quick. Jesus, we present to you, Gail especially, and the Christellis, and all three of their kids, um, that they're going through a really tough season, and they need to experience your love. They need to be encouraged, they need to experience hope and peace. And Jesus, I know that you're the place for that. I already know that you're where that's found. So in whatever way possible, can you permeate their world, and can you love them well? And if anybody in here can jump into that and love them well as well, please help that to be made known. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. So as I got ready to... Oh, these guys sneaking in the back. Welcome back, guys. Hey, back in town. Everybody online's like, what? So... As I showed up today, I was experiencing, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it, on Sundays for the last few months, I've actually experienced a lot of joy being in the body. I've experienced what I think the body of Christ is supposed to experience together, which is feeling encouraged. Um, I felt like there's been a less of a weight. So I, I got here today, and I just had this, from each person when I walked up, including myself, I was experiencing what I felt like was just like a heavy burden. And it almost seemed like every person had a different large-scale weight that they were bringing into the space. And so, um, I went ahead before and prayed with our our staff and those people helping. I was just like, "Listen, I think our invitation today is that we're reminded that Jesus is our centerpiece, our cornerstone, and that we bring a weight. And we're not supposed to pretend like we don't have a weight. And and so because of that, I didn't get to share this with our first group, but yesterday I got to share this with the man family. Um, and I think we have all been kind of grieving in the past year over different things, over losses, over you know, the death of 500,000 people, and then just all of the other things, job-related things, transitions, people coming and going, sickness, finances, just dealing with that inner self that we had to deal with, not being able to run around our city for a year. And I think it's produced the opportunity for a lot of grief, and so... Yesterday, I got to share a quote by Henry Nouwen to them, and it was pretty raw, but I want to read it to you, and it says, and this is just my hopes." I'm going to read this and then I'm going to read you a passage, not related to my message. So when we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives meant the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face us with the reality of our powerlessness, that friend is the one who cares. And I get the sense that in Romans 12, as it talks about the body, and as God is building out this body, that this is what is Meant by what, what Henry Nouwen is saying here. That when we carry these weights that I sense all of us have, that it's important to confront those and even befriend them and not run from them and be present in them with the community of God. See, I think that's when healing happens. I think, as it says in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Jesus meets us when we are poor in spirit. And so I think for American and Western Christians, we don't like to talk about our brokenness or where we're wounded Right In the Life of the Beloved, it talks about befriending our brokenness, those places that we don't want others to see, that we hide from, the places when we go in the wilderness, the wild beasts that are there waiting on us. When we are alone and isolated, what of our own wild beasts will be waiting on us there? It's important to be able to confront those with people. Romans 12, right? Laugh with, cry with, encourage, pray with, earnestly seek together. Body of Christ is really important. I cannot express how much I believe that the body of Christ is the answer for what's happening right now. It's not one person's theology that's got it all right and he's correct or she's correct presenting a message. It is the body of Christ. I think it's gonna get really grassrootish in the next season. I think it's gonna get less. Occupational Christianity, I think it's going to be less promotional. I think it's going to be less glitz and glamour. I think we're going to be having worship leaders that probably don't know how to sing real well. We're all going to be like, amen, I've been waiting on this. Because there's something so important about the body of Christ that's offered that our world is not offering. Presence, peace, a listening ear. Someone who can help direct you to that centerpiece and cornerstone. This is why the body of Christ exists. So if you're someone like me in the past who's had reasons why it maybe is time to throw in the towel on the body of Christ, let me stand here on that line and say, it's not worth it. It's not worth throwing in the the towel on it. It means more than you can even imagine. And it's not the sum of all its brokenness. It's the sum of Jesus. And we're all living into that. And as we decide to live into that, we mature into it, but we're never there. So if you've been looking for that church that does it all right, you're never going to find it because there's people that comprise this whole thing. And each person, even the most seasoned of us all, is broken in many ways. They're just usually able to befriend it and share it a little sooner than us. So the body of Christ, I'm standing on this line saying, it's not worth throwing in the towel. It's not worth it. It's not a place to be abused or for injustice, injustice to happen to you or for you to be persecuted by, that's not okay. And that's not something I think we should ever stand for. We speak truth to those powers, right? Even the passage I'm going to read today, speaking truth in love, is not a docile, too nice kind of Christianity. It's speaking the honest truth to brokenness. That's not okay. And I'm standing here in the space of a Jesus follower to say, this isn't okay. This is not okay. But that doesn't mean that the body of Christ is not the answer for our world. There's no version of this that exists only in one Shane in his theology, only in one Sarah. There's no version that works like that. There's nothing on earth like the body of Christ and it's splendor and it's broken. Amen, that's it. You guys can go home. Just kidding. I'm gonna start my message now. So we've been, we've been sharing, uh, many of you are disappointed because Dr. Johns is not here, as well as I. Um, she had a, uh, cancel coming this week. She's going to be coming in April. She couldn't be here this week. And it happens to be the passage from Ephesians that is exactly what we've been talking about for six months, equipping the saints. ETS. This is what this is about. This is actually from this passage, Ephesians 4. Chapter, what do you say? We did it. We did it, everyone. We did it. You did it. You're all equipped. You're perfect. No one's perfect. So this is the passage I'm definitely not going to be able to share the way that I want to because I've been thinking about it for six months. But I'm going to do my best to step into this and invite you into it. If you can remember, over the last few weeks, we have been talking about Ephesians and how Paul has been expressing to this young Christian body what it means to believe what God did through Jesus. So chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians are... This is what God has done through Jesus. This is not even to do with what you've done. This is what God has done in Jesus. There is glorious riches in the heavenly realms. There's an invitation to trust and place your hope in Jesus. There's this idea that Jesus is now accessible to all, Gentile and Jew. And now this place is turning. And last week there was a prayer and this week is like the, now you've heard what God did through Jesus. Now what does that mean for you? So this is the okay practically speaking Paul can you make it a little simpler for us This is a confusing passage for a lot of pastors because it directly you'll you'll have a picture of what the church is supposed to look like and what churches look like So when I read this passage I'm like oh wow we're definitely not there because this is what it's supposed to look like When you read this passage you sh- you are these are Answers to questions people ask like, what's the purpose of the local church? What's the identity of the church? What's it supposed to look like within the church? How does this all play together? And in an age of vision statements, and every pastor at every church has a vision statement. On the walls, we have one. Look, they're all all around. We've gotten so good at clarifying the end goal that sometimes we stick to it, even if we know it doesn't look like this. So interesting. There was one community that I was a part of, and every community is broken in some ways, that had a plan that if we just did four large events a year, that we could double the size of our church within two years. Four large events built around spending money in those gaps, be very inviting. It was very enamoring for me honestly as a young christian and a young youth pastor to to have someone say something that could meet it could actually there's actually a goal that could be met if you spend this amount of money on producing an event that it draws this amount of people there's a percentage of those people that will jump in and they will be a part of your body so we spent countless hours on four events a year how to do these events really well we never had discussions about what it meant to be a disciple of christ I share this with you not because I think I found the one church that does this, but because I think I've been a part of many churches that have stepped into this kind of thing. So, when we start having conversations about equipping the saints or discipleship, almost all Christians I know don't even know where to begin. They don't even know how to step into that. So, are you saying, so you're saying I need to be a disciple? Some people just think it's having correct knowledge. Like, it's just, well, if you believe these five tenets of the faith, you're good, right? Like, some people believe that it's about noticing people's gifts. Like if you, if you just know, a per, if you're gift, that's not it either. That's like talking to a mom whose job is to nurture, and this is about to get ugly because I'm giving an example from a mom, and I'm not a mom, and my wife is right there. So it's like having a mom who's good at Instagram. Let's develop it a little bit. Because there are plenty of moms. Uh, can I just, for a moment, what's the deal with the videos on, like maybe it's Snapchat where they're like, have I seen these? And they all do like the same smile? Is this a thing now? Does anybody know what I'm doing? I feel awkward now. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. It's like some, some lady like dancing like, and they're pointing at words, right? Yes. What's the deal? I don't understand. But it's like, at, see, sorry. It's like, it's like talking to a mom about growth and development and her kids needing to be nurtured. And then her like, instead of sitting, listening, showing kindness, being kind of thick-skinned, doing what you need to do for actual children, like jumping into how she's good at things. Kids would be like, why are you doing an Instagram thing again, Mom? Because they need to see what it looks like to be mature. That really doesn't connect at all. (laughs) But, But I had in my mind, this would be a neat story to tell. So I hope that you guys enjoyed. It does connect, it does connect, I'm just kidding. So today this passage is Paul saying to them, here's here's what it looks like to begin to mature. Maturity. And you don't want to be immature as a Christian. You don't want to be immature. You don't want to remain a baby in anything because as babies we are vulnerable. The youngest in our communities are always the most vulnerable, especially if our community is, is comprised of all Young people or babies. It's, it's a vulnerable place. We're tossed to and fro. The next new thing that comes out, of course we're in on it. The most culturally relevant thing, of course we're in on it. And so Paul is trying to express to these people, these young Christians, that are probably asking something like, so we've comprised this group. We've been moving forward We're noticing that there's a lot of thought from the Gentile group that is not the thought from the Jewish community. The Gentiles are probably like, we're not real interested in your traditions and how you practice these things. And the Jewish community is probably like, you guys are like wild and free and don't care about anything and think nothing matters for you. You can just live how you want. And there's probably this like collection of people that are trying to figure out how do we like make it forward now? Because there's a lot of opinions in this place. And so Paul writes this to this group in that heart recognize he's probably not speaking to a broken community, but a community that's growing. Are we broken? I don't think so. I don't think this church, or I think we're just the age that we are, right? And at every age, you do things that need to be tweaked, and you have to learn hard lessons. At every age, there are hard things that have to be learned that are hard to deal with. At every age, 30, 40, 50, 60, so, are you broken? In some ways, yes, but overall, this church, the church at Ephesus, is just growing. And our church is growing. And so, Ephesians 4 1 through 16. I'm going to read this to you. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. You're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, the fivefold, to equip the saints, that's you, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer, here we go, Be children (laughs) tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Pray with me. Jesus, bless this time. Let it just be beneficial for us all. Let us feel a kinship in this room with your scripture As the place where you are abiding. And within this holy temple, this collection of people, your spirit is robust. Your spirit is alive. It's working. It's sharp. It's cutting even our own hearts, the parts that need to be cut. And it's drawing us to your feet, reminding us you're the source, you're the well, you're the centerpiece, you're the cornerstone. So as we step into this, remind us of who we are, whose we are, what we're called to. I'm thankful, Jesus, for this. In your name. Amen. I'm just going to walk through this really quickly. So what now for the baptized? And the baptized in this passage is anybody within this community of believers. And I'll just say this about baptism. I do believe that it's important. I don't believe it's just a sign. I don't believe it's just a one-off. And I would invite you, if you've never been baptized, to be baptized into the family of God. It is a significant step in our faith. It's a sacrament that's been passed from tradition and time all the way to us. It is more than just a thing. It's not just water coming over you. It's a welcome to the family, hallelujah, let's get down party. It is a celebration. It is an entrance into a new way of being human, a new way. It's God saying, here's the old humanities. Those are not you anymore. Here's the new humanity. This is you, all of you. So this is who he's speaking to here, and he starts again dramatically begging, some say encouraging, but get the picture of begging and encouraging. As a prisoner, so he starts again kind of jolting, why is Paul begging? This must be important. What he's about to say is important. He's built a framework for three chapters, and now he's saying, now you listen lovingly. This is important. I would like you to journey this way. I'd like you to walk this way. What do I do in my faith when I receive Jesus? He's gonna share with you. Walk in a manner worthy of the call. I don't love that language. I don't, who, who, when I say walk in a manner worthy, automatically is like, ew. Just raise your hand if that's a little bit like ooey. Yeah, like, wait, so you're, so automatically you're starting off by saying we're not walking worthy which feels offensive, but Paul is reminding them of things that must be being jostled. There must be parts of what's been happening that is starting to be pushed to the side, right? There must be something happening that he's saying, if you cannot remember this, this will be impossible. This is that stuff. So, number one, Christ is the centerpiece. Everybody say, Christ is centerpiece. the centerpiece. The call to follow Paul was a call to follow a new king. We would like the kingdom without the king. This call is to follow a new king. The Messiah's name is Jesus. Jesus is this new king. Reminding you last week when I talked about how we are to experience the riches and also the depth and width and height of his love. And I just have to share this because many of you probably weren't here last week from my funeral message yesterday. Jesus is always doing five things, probably six or 50. I'm just going to read you the ones I'm reading you. He lovingly pursues us. So when I'm saying you're following a new king, there's a way to see that where you're like, that still feels harsh. Like, like there's a kingdom and there's a king. It's probably dominating. This is the king we're speaking of. Jesus is always lovingly pursuing you, Psalm 139. Jesus always wants you to taste and see that he is good. Psalm 34, Jesus wants to be with you. This is, a, this is the first king that they experienced that actually wants to be in their presence. Come and follow me, Matthew 4. I want to be with you, Matthew 4. He meets us often in the places where we're broken to give us life. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. Message version, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God. The new king, he gives us rest and restoration. He likes to bring us into a space to say, take some breaths, breathe. My yoke is not the yoke you've been carrying. This is the king that they're to follow. Ephesian church, do you remember the Jesus in which you've been preached? Do you remember that loving, embracing, taste and see how good I want to be with you Jesus that's been preached? Or are you so distant, Ephesian church, at this point from that Jesus that he seems just like a king on a throne now? Not the purpose. The purpose is that you embody what it looks like to be in love with this king. That only happens if it's something real for you. And he wants it to be real for you more than I or you want it to be real for you. That's beautiful. Christ is the centerpiece. When Christ is the centerpiece, when someone or something comes in and tries to take credit for him or draw you into themselves, it looks off. When Christ is not the centerpiece, someone can come in preaching a peripheral gospel that is not Jesus and it makes sense. Christ has to be the centerpiece for you to get a feel for who is and who is not moving about in his plan. I had a friend I had a conversation with this week. It was the most important conversation I had this week, other than the ones I had with my family. There was a lot of those. They were all good. We talked about how there's this conversation about churches and what do churches usually do to build themselves. And there's one idea of borders. And it's the idea that if you make clear enough lines around certain things, then you know where to roam. It's the same thing that actually happens in other countries or even our own country when they're trying to place animals or even communities in an area to let them know, here's how far you can go and how far you shouldn't go. So the problem with those areas is there's nothing they're gathered for. And so they've learned in other areas that if they come in and place a well in the middle of an area, they don't have to put up borders because nothing living will pass too far from that. It knows how close it needs to be to that to stay alive. Then what becomes the problem is you have to protect that. So then typically fences are put up around that to keep others out for having. The problem is with Jesus, even our enemies are our friends, and our water's their water. <laughs> so this is, to me, what's being said here. If Jesus, first thing that's being said, where are, where are you getting your nutrients from? Is your nutrients from a peripheral thing? It's not sustainable. It's going to dry up. Jesus is this well, and if he is in place, you know how far you need to travel. You know where he is. It's always proximity to Jesus. This is the Christian message. We want Jesus. This is the gospel. This well is represented in our lives. Where is Jesus in our proximity to our lives? This was being forgotten by this community because they started to bring in their own desires, We need these practices to be more important to you, Gentiles. You're not getting it. You're sloppy. You guys probably sleep till twelve. We get up at seven a.m. We've already done prayer laps, and you guys are still having cereal at eleven thirty. The Gentiles are probably like, "You guys are like destroying the image of Jesus because he's not meant to be boxed into these religious spaces. He's free. He's for everyone." There's something they both needed to hear. Something more important. They knew about the ones, right? The seven ones we just read. They knew all those things. There's one baptism. These are things that typically separate entire movements. Our thoughts on those seven ones we just read? You want to talk about people getting offended? Start to talk about what you believe about each specific thing. There's literally denominations separated by the way baptism is done. There's literally denominations separated by the way the Spirit is involved. There's literally denominations separated by all seven of those things. There's one. There's one. Yeah, we can talk all day about your beliefs, about effusion, or all of it. All of the ways you can be baptized. right? And that conversation actually happened for us when we had a new way of doing baptism for Easter. Lots of people were like, wait a second. Are you guys even Christians? <laughs> yes, we're Christians. They knew these things. They knew all the ways that they could be divided. The second thing is that understanding of Jesus' centrality, who Paul was a prisoner to the gospel, was the only way that they were able to walk in humility and gentleness and patience. Humility and gentleness and patience, we see as the most effective form of maturity. It's the entry point towards maturity. More people leave a body as they enter because there's the lack of this than any other reason. So a trigger point as you're entering a community is not seeing this. Enter a community where people are harsh, where people demand that you are something you're not yet, where there's not kindness, where you can tell clearly defined communities that you're not allowed... That's the number one way people are triggered out because when people enter the body of Christ, they need to experience selectedness, chosenness, being loved. So, so this isn't just like, yeah, it'd be great if y'all were unified. This is like basic 101 entry-level Christianity that people need to experience so that they can mature. It's still not maturity because we can just be happy and smile and love and have life groups and... That's still not maturity. But if that's not there, if humility, gentleness, kindness, patience are not there, there's no way towards it. So the trigger point for some here is, I don't feel like I belong. And that's not on you most of the time. Because it's got to be almost excessive from the body of Christ. And it's not a promotional tool. We're not trying to be a five-star hotel, which I heard through all of my ministry, do it like a five-star hotel. It's like, we're not a five-star, nobody's sleeping here. I'm not providing anybody a bed. I draw the line right there. But it is excessive because the love of Jesus has been experienced by us in such a way, and we're mature enough as we're maturing to spend time with him to be filled that when others are around us, it is actually there. If it's not actually there in us, then that's God's invitation for our maturity. We aren't learning what it means to be with Jesus and his people in a way that we're filled at that point. we're We're just professional at it, even if we're not working. We're just professional. I do my Sunday thing, I read my devotion, I call my friend, I do a prayer, professional. He's not asking us to be professionals. He's asking us for allegiance and commitment. And what it looks like to follow Jesus looks like I actually look like Jesus. And Jesus is the most welcoming, the most welcoming, loving. I mean, Jesus is actual love. Like, that is, it's not a thing he's good. And for me to be a follower of Jesus is to know that he is my king, and that is coming from me because I am with him. If I'm with him, it comes. If I'm not, that's not not him saying you're a bad person. That's saying, now you know, right? It's time for you to to be with the community of God and be with Jesus. That was kind of longer than I wanted to do there, but I don't care, I'm cool. All the language they used to talk about unity was peace language, and I love this idea that I'm about to say, that the gospel and peace travel as a unit. I want to say that again, the gospel and peace travel as a unit. I feel like this is like a rap group, like my, this is my unit, it doesn't work, I know, but like I see a unit and it's the gospel and peace and I'm like, oh, they're coming, they're coming to the stage. The gospel and peace travel as a unit because Jesus is the prince of peace. He actually carries the gospel of peace with the feet of peace. peace. The peace of Jesus should be a part of our everything. And that's hard. I get it. But here we are. The principal mark of the church is unity. So the first one is Christ's got to be a centerpiece. The second one is We're called to be a unified body. And the third one is there's a grace that's been given to each of you. I could go on a tangent here. Not going to go on a tangent here. There's a grace that's been given to each person in this room. Okay, here's what I want you to know I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The question isn't whether you've been graced with something from God, it's time to move past that. That's not even up for grabs. And if you're still there, like I am at sometimes, you're just in competition with somebody else probably. Or you feel like you don't deserve it. This is not up for grabs. The gift that's been given to you is meant to just be realized. That's it. Oh, yeah, I got this. And then it's meant to be given for the unification of the body. So your gift isn't even yours. That, your gift is what you bring to the unification of the body. So if you're mad that you're not the teacher or the apostle yet that you think you should be, you're not ready, you're not ready. You need to travel back to Ephesians four, chapter one, that doesn't make sense, verse (laughs) one. I still struggle with this really immensely in that anyone who's good at any of these things, I feel like I'm bad because they're good, doesn't make sense. What does that even how does that even happen? Like they can people can be good at stuff and I could celebrate it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So, the trigger point in the first part is that we don't believe we belong because sometimes the body of Christ isn't unified, so we step out. The trigger point moving into the second part is we don't believe our gift matters in our body. And that's just lies. And part of that needs to be deconstructed because part of it is us thinking our Christianity is about our gift, which is, that would be hilarious in first century culture. When you started to realize how God has gifted you, it wasn't stressful because you knew it wasn't for you. It wasn't your identity. That happened in the first part. You're a beloved son. We're not fighting about that anymore. You're a beloved daughter. Your identity is not your gift. If your identity is your gift, you're in trouble. That will come crumbling down. Can we actually believe that something we don't work for is who we are? That's the big question to our church these days. Can we actually believe that the gift of the gospel, which says we're beloved sons and daughters chosen even before the foundation of the earth, is a truth, or do we have to prove it through what he's given us to do? And I'm saying this kind of, I'm going to say the wrong. I feel like there's a really close word I don't want to say. Facetiously. Facetiously. I didn't want to say feces from stage. (laughs) I didn't want to say that. So close call. (laughs) So if our identity is settled as we enter as beloved children, we can celebrate when anybody's an apostle anybody's a teacher and then we when they get in that spot and they're like well I'm the teacher we're like well great you don't have to tell me just point to how the body's healthier because of it I don't need to hear what your gift is I met somebody last week they were like I don't know if you know this but I'm actually a gifted vocalist for the church I was like church global like the whole that's big that's really big that's a big gift I just slowly was like Those are my in, out routes to conversation. Super quick, you don't need to talk about what God made you because the only reason you're saying it's because you want people to feel like that's you. It's not you. You're you're a beloved son and daughter of God. That's enough. If it's that, then the well will make sense to others. But if it's more than that, I'm a beloved daughter who is a gifted evangelist. God's called me a prophetess. I, I think I'm I think I'm the fivefold. I think I'm the first fivefold. I actually don't even need people. I'm my own church. I meet myself. When you realize, as you grow into maturity, when you just realize how God's gifted you, you want to deposit it for health to come because your biggest and greatest goal would be to see people mature in Christ and the unification of the body. And that would be enough. And you wouldn't do it because you needed to promote it and have like a camera over there filming what we're doing. It would just be that that would be enough. And if this brother or sister moves to... Indiana to start a thing, or if this brother or sister moves to Italy, that would be a celebration, not an indictment on who you are. So here's the thing, though. His harshest words are, grow up. He literally says to them, grow up. You're not a baby, so don't act like a baby. You're not a baby, so don't act like a baby. Maturity needs to happen, or you will be tossed to and fro all about this world. And here's how you know that you're set up to possibly be tossed to and fro. If your Christianity is confined to maybe two Sunday services a month, you are not set up for health. If, if it's robust outside of that, let's, I, I want to see it. If it doesn't involve the body of Christ, we just need to talk. I don't believe that's actually possible. I don't believe it's actually possible to not have the body of Christ because it's the body Literally a body. If you're a finger and I'm an ear, if you're a leg, if somebody over here is the rear, somebody's a foot, all those pieces make one body. It doesn't make sense. And when one body member grows, the whole body grows. Have you ever seen a human body? Maybe there is like a thing. Have you ever seen just a baby and the only thing that ever grew was their like right hand? And all of a sudden they had an adult hand and they were still a baby? It's not happening. That's not happening. It's all together. So this is the part I wrestled the most with in this, because I didn't like this, and I still don't like it. So you're telling me when Linda decides she doesn't want to grow as a body? I'm not going to like that. When that happens, that the whole body slows its roll because of that? And I legit think that's what it's saying, that... And this is nothing about you, Linda. Like, you're such a saint. To me, you are just a huge part of this book. I love you, Linda. So we don't like to think of that interdependency because we are American Western Christians who can do it on our own. This would not have shocked them. This shocks us because we have designed our lives to work on our own. So our entry route is back into dependency. And we don't like to be dependent on Christians because they are dumb and they have hurt us and they are just preaching at whatever it is. Welcome to the body of Christ. So there's diverse gifts to help. (laughs) Super long. This word for equip is actually taken from the Greek, and I'm going to bring it up. It actually is the idea of setting of a bone. So this word equip the saints which is being told to the fivefold and Paul. So think of it this way. So he's trying to say, there are some of you that are these fivefold right now that need to step into it for the equipping of the saints, for the setting of broken bones or out of place bones, for the restoring of things to equip to ministry is to align to God's tension. So anybody in any type of leadership or servanthood leadership at a church is there to help tweak and train and equip and get people in line with how to function as a healthy Body, this is important. The setting of a bone. Remember, Jesus is the source. There's no Jedi that can do this without Jesus. People groaning here, or people in this spot, ask questions like, so here's, here's what I'm thinking, and I'm just going to kind of wrap it up with this. My goal for our church is this goal, is to be a healthy body that's fighting for unity. And do we overemphasize unity? Some people have said that to me before. You guys are just talking about unity a bunch. Make every effort. Everybody say make. make. Every, make. every, every. Effort, every. Effort, effort. To bring unity, to fight for unity, to have a unity. Do we think it's like maybe not as important? I think so. I think we're like, man, that feels kind of important. But every effort. You can list the things in your life you make every effort for. You can list those things that you are going to make sure. That's the same type of energy. We are to make every effort for the unity of the body. And if we make every effort for the unity of the body centered in Christ, we grow and mature. And then the fruit of all of this is we can speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth of love is just being close to the well. I'm going to simplify it for you. Speaking the truth in love is sitting on the well. Who's the well? Speaking the truth in love is proximity to Jesus. Because we don't even know how to speak a truth. Right? Speaking the truth in love comes from maturity. I'm going to read you this quote. Mature Christians speak truth in love because it promotes growth. Some find it easy to speak truth, to set us straight on how it is. I feel angsty when I'm reading this. <laughs> to throw in their verbal grenades and then feel deserving of a spiritual purple heart for bravery, such enemy territory to deliver truth. We are all this at times. You just need to hear the truth. I don't really care about you as a human or value you or wanna be around you, but if you love Jesus, you gotta hear this. Nothing work, ever. Never works. Some people speak the truth, but without love, they wanna show off or one-up one another. I'm so glad that's not our church. This is not good enough. William Sloan Coffin tells us this story. I remember several years ago, a freshman asking if he could give me some advice. Go ahead, I said. Well, sir, when you say something that is both true and painful, say it softly. Say it in other words to heal and not hurt. Say it in love. I am on the low rung of the totem pole of this. I have all of us, when I feel something is off, can be harsh. I know this of myself. I need to seek repentance for it, and I will, and I am, and I want to grow in it because I want to fix, especially the body of Christ. I throw my own expectations on many of you. I desire that we mature. So when I speak the truth, sometimes it's not even about you. It's about me and my goals. But someone who truly loves us, loves you, loves Jesus, will speak it in such a way that it will bring healing. I know people like this. I know people who speak with these kinds of words, and I see healing happen. Because you can tell they're saying a hard thing, but they love. I think Sarah does this. I think my sister-in-law, Jenny, does this really well. I always struggle in this because I want it. i got to just say it. I don't have empathy or compassion as a high thing. I want more of it but it's not like jumping off the charts. Sometimes for me to just be present with people is like, oh, God, grow me, right? The things that truly matter within the kingdom. Being present with people, listening, bearing with one another. Anyway. So the purpose of this, and this is the purpose for us today, Paul's words are still for us. Become what God has already made you into. You are unified. You're just living into it. You are the beloved sons and daughters of God. You're just living into it. You are gifted for the work of service, for the equipping of the body, just living into it. So in each of these areas, we repent for the ways we've made it about ourselves. I'm God's favorite, including all of y'all. I'm more gifted than y'all, and people need to see it. I need to be on this stage. Y'all need to be over there. I need to be recognized. When's somebody going to put me where I need to be? We repent for making ministry and the gospel of Jesus about ourselves. I believe there are people operating in a five-fold gifting that, you, that will no other person will ever even know what they're doing. I believe that's happening around the world right now, and probably the best ministry is coming. I also believe there are people that everybody knows their gift, and probably not a lot of ministry is happening. We have to be able to see these things and say, that's not right. That's not right. Right? This isn't about that. That's not right. What does maturity look like? Jesus. I'm going to say it and you're going to repeat it. What does maturity look like? Was Jesus self-seeking? Was Jesus proud? Was Jesus humble? Did he turn the other cheek or punch the other dude? Why do we confuse this part? Why is all of a sudden our Christianity about what we're getting or how many blessings we have or attaining? This is the gospel that we live for. I could, I could go forever here, and I can tell by some of y'all sleeping that it's not necessarily the best. <laughs> sleeping always gives it away. Like, some of you are tricky, but when you're sleeping, I think I get it, you know? So, I digress. You can stand with me. As you stand and as we transition into the rest of our day, I'm just going to say some things to people in the room. I see Jesus in our church. We're not the perfect church. I see Jesus in many of you. I'm going to just call out some things I see. I didn't even plan this. I see Jesus in Jen Pinto and the ways that she loves her neighbor. I see Jesus in Rachel Lunger and the way that she persistently pursues Jesus no matter what. I see Jesus in Emily Gray in the way that everyone is her friend and everyone is welcome. And she desires to show Jesus to people. That's pretty awesome. I, I, I still think you guys are actually Jesus, so I'm not even gonna stop on that. I see Jesus in the Godby family in the way that they are a family, just that part. I see Jesus in the Harvey family and what I see coming out of their kids—you can't trick that. <laughs> you ain't tricking that. What's coming out of the kids? That includes all of them, oldest to youngest. I see Jesus and my daughter Alethea, and how brilliant and how concerned she is for people who are broken. see Jesus and Leslie Bachelor and the way that she creates space to be in His presence, to be formed. I see Jesus and so many people in this room. I see a church being formed by God because he's the one forming. I See it's all drinking from the well. I got weird quick, but we're going to do it. I want you to picture in your mind. You're in this area and there's a well and you walk up to it and you're so thankful there's a well and you're there and you're thirsty and you're drinking and you're drinking and you're drinking the water. Imagine it, your skin is hot, you're sweating, you're thirsty, you walk up on this well and you're like this is what I've been looking for and then you recognize these five or six or ten other people kind of around you and they want water too and you're like you wait a second, Jesus like it's for everybody and you see and stay with me you see in these people the same type of intensity of drought and dryness and some of them are in different places some of them are even hurting in their bodies some of them are mentally unstable because of all the time in the desert and they're all trying to get at this well the well has plenty that's the curveball of the well it doesn't really ever run dry Jesus is saying can all drink and you're recognizing as you're standing there that these people standing at the well are your brothers and sisters there's others coming will they have space will this well just be yours will you hide this well or will you tell people about this well Jesus has given us this well He's also bringing his sheep that don't even know it yet. There might be someone today that you need to say, I'm sorry. There might be someone today that you need to present to God because you've been comparing yourself with them. There might be someone in this space who still believes that you have nothing to offer because you're living in a lie that's not even from Jesus. to the water all who are thirsty come and drink just for a moment if you'd like to express thankfulness to God that would be okay in this place So after we sing the doxology together, there'll be prayer available for anyone who needs it.
3: them are all creatures
2: week. If you'd like to stay in here, we're going to keep it prayerful. If you'd like prayer, there's an open spot here. Look forward to celebrating Holy Week with you, prayer week, and being present with you. Father, as we go, I pray that you would go before us and that you would be with us, and that we would remember whose we are, who we are, and what we're called to. And we would make every effort this week for the unity of your body. In Jesus' name we pray.